Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, everybody. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Fire Escape. Thanks. Rule. Rule, rule. Um, today, on the show, we talk explosives. We talk Senate races. We live. We love. Nice line breaks. Thanks. It was very poetic. Trying to make it really <clears throat> NPR-esque. Yeah, welcome to the fire escape. I feel uh, like we need more more reverb on the uh, on the Vokes. That's what I feel like. Or, or just like we, we, need to, we need to just lightly whisper in we'll, everybody's ears. We'll be talking Afro-Jazz punk fusion today. Sometimes um, I'm whispering so low that the noise gate doesn't. It's activating, so you're not hearing all, all the syllables that I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Mm. Welcome. I'm Coulter. Uh, sometimes we do this. Sometimes w- we we, t- we tell people our names. Not every time, though. I, I wish our show was voiced that quietly all the time. Not all the time. Sometimes, though, because it is fun. Talk I very, mean, we very quietly we, pull we the can, bass up. We could do it uh, whenever we want. That's that's true. We don't have any bosses at all. Absolutely. 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 Mm. This is this is our, this uh, is starting off to be a pretty sexy program. Yeah. I turned my noise gate off, so hopefully uh, you'll be able to hear every whisper. There we go. I like having the noise gate on, though, because it takes out the sound of the uh, air conditioning, which we have to have on because it's too hot. It's hot. It's not that hot. It's been hotter. It has. I mean, I guess it's always been hot. I mean, for the most part, it's always been hotter. That's true. Dude, before we get into, like, you know, the stuff, the meat. When people are like, is the hottest June on record? And I'm like, you know, I don't know why I picked the month of June, but I'm like, were you around when... uh, you know, the, before the earth cooled. Mm, Think about nice. that. Got him. Yeah. Uh, so it's not. Dude, did you experience that like two hour hurricane? Yeah, dude. I didn't. Well, no. Here's the actual answer to that is I did not. I was down here in the basement mm. writing an article nice. um, for the colloquial magazine, a magazine that we write for uh, and own, co-own. Yeah, I went up on the roof to have a uh, a meeting on the telephone, and it was cool. Like you know, I was I thought there was you know I guess we were in the eye of the storm, you know, uh-huh. and uh, I was like, oh, it's, it's cool, it's done. And then 
I very quickly had to take shelter. It was rowdy for about mm, 30 minutes. Well, as the philosopher Brandy Carlisle said, you can dance in a hurricane only if you're standing in the eye. That's true. I, I put that to the test. So to, for me, it was like the Tuscaloosa tornado, but without even being, I mean, I was, I was loosely aware that like a tropical storm was headed our way. Uh, but I was in the basement the entire time. And so I could kind of hear it raining. And then I went out for a walk after I worked uh, and after it stopped raining and there were just like limbs down everywhere. And I was like, Oh, and then I looked on the gram and people were posting like pictures of trees that were blown over in different parks and in Queens and Brooklyn and whatnot. And I was like, Oh, okay. So it was like a, like a storm, like a real storm. Yeah. There's been a lot of that in New York this year. Uh, like thun- thunderstorms that I'm more accustomed to seeing in the South. That's true. We did have one of those like a week or two ago. That and was it, like a legitimate, like every 30 seconds, lightning and thunder. And then like a month ago, there was hail, which was also a new experience for me in New York. Mm-hmm. And that also only lasted about eight minutes. I had to explain to somebody, they were like, um, I was like, yeah, it hails all the time in Alabama. And they were like, but I thought it's hot there. And I'm like, it doesn't hail. That's not where hail comes yeah, from. That's not how that works. Like, hail is not a winter. And, like, it always happens in the summertime mm-hmm. and, like, in the springtime. That's but how you know tornadoes are about to happen. Yeah. Hail is a is a feature of, of hot weather, typically, yep. I, w- I would say. That's at least my experience. I don't know. I, I just, mean. I've never seen winter hail before. It's uh-uh. usually just snow. Yeah. Or, like, or you know, sleet. sleet. Yeah. But, yeah, hail hail's how you know you got to get up onto the trailer park you know yep um yeah the the weather in new york has been pretty wild lately uh i've, I've kind of enjoyed i mean you know yeah i mean I'm, i've definitely enjoyed it actually i think having a good storm from time to time has been is pretty nice that's something we i, I miss a lot from the south wow that's in insensitive to people who have uh fears wow. of storms okay i All think right. i don't know i used to be one of those people and then guess what i did you grew up yep nice wow. got, got over it you hear that pete I mean, you hear that America, Pete thinks you should just get over it. Whatever it is, just get over it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. Yeah. He thinks. Mental you know, fortitude. Yeah. We've, we've covered matter. this before. Yeah. Pete is actually a big fan. He's he's actually wanted to talk about how he's endorsing Tommy Tuberville for U.S. Senate <laughs> in Alabama. <laughs> Wait, I don't on the, even. Uh, on the get over it pop, uh, pop I don't party. Even, I don't even want to play like that. Mo- not for his politics, really, but he just is like an, a super ob. Oh, oh, yeah. but you like you love the politics. Love it, though. yeah, big, yeah, yeah. big, huge, giant, fat fan. Um, you know, if he if he just didn't coach for Auburn, I'd have been. You yep, know, I'm right on board. Tubby for life. Yep, you heard it here first. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So Thomas Hawley Tuberville. Uh, is in the new or was in the Alabama news, which is which is the you know one of the more important news. Uh, I mean, areas the, of the days, world. Alabama news is, is pretty important to the world. Weirdly, uh, no, yeah. I, I mean, I wish it was. No, I think it is. Like how? Uh, I mean, I don't know, coronavirus or something. Yeah, but that's also going on everywhere else. Oh, well, yeah, sure, but uh, I, I'm I'm just kidding, Alabama. I right. love you. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a big Alabama fan uh, of the team and the state. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And but the problem is, we got an idiot running for uh, for Senate. It's and kind of I know brand. what you're thinking. What's new? 
this one is uh, Coach for Auburn. That's yeah, that that part is new and is just like particularly uh, is like particularly stupid in a very specific type of way. I was gonna say uh, he's not more stupid than, or like more worse than. Well, he combines the stupidity Roy. of like, of like a stupid person, like a Trumpy type. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he he combines two different types of stupid. He's both like far right wing. I don't even know if far right is like the just like because it's not it doesn't have any ideology like the problem is it doesn't really have an ideology it's just like this you know like i want to pretend to be a good old boy like roy yeah, Moore. he's a like, he's a gelatinous sack of conservatism yeah like he just you're just like i don't know it just seems like i'm gonna do this because this is popular mm-hmm. and i kind of think this way because no one's ever told me otherwise and like mm-hmm. it just makes sense to me yep. um so he's a combination of that stupid and football coach stupid. Yeah. Like, uh, not not that all football coaches are stupid, but the ways in which football coaches, the ways in which stupid football coaches say stupid football coach things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I had previously talked about how the dumbest thing I've heard all year was what, um, uh, mine's drawn blank, Jim Harbaugh from Michigan said about how, you know, coronavirus is just a part of a part of life now and i don't see how sports are gonna i haven't heard anybody say about how sports are gonna make that any worse and Mm -hmm. it's like well that's Mm -hmm. just dumb uh because like coaches have this like the way in which coaches are stupid is very specific they they especially uh head coaches and former head coaches they are they get to a point in their career where they're very rarely challenged on anything and they're seen as the pinnacle expert at least in a, a, a given organization on any topic. Like, it's not just football. They are, like, the leader of everything. So they think, I'm the best, like, mentor, mm-hmm. uh, play caller. Mm-hmm. I, I know the most about... Like, leadership uh, in general. Yeah, just leadership, because they all give these dumb... Like, and everybody wants, like, especially lots of, like, organizations across the south want like football coaches to come talk about talk to them about leadership like mm-hmm. and they all write these leadership books mm-hmm. and they all get implemented into businesses and things like that they're kind of treated like, like mini generals like yes like that they've actually had real stuff on the line Exa- so this is exactly how we used to treat generals back yeah. in the day yeah like because we don't anymore because they're not fa- like we there's there's just not as many famous generals there's you know mattis there's like a couple of them but like this is like they all get treated like World War II or Civil War generals. Yeah. Like with, they're just like, man, well, what does this coach like? We need to get Pete Carroll in here to explain <laughs> to us how we can talk to our, you know, our our team better. Oh, yeah. I'm like, but no, your 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 company isn't a football team. Like, I mean, I guess it's closer to that than the Army, but like that's not how that works. Like, you know how they win? Like, some of them just yell in people's faces. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I mean, they they win in. I mean, I guess similarly to a lot of like military movements, but it's just like you win when you have really great players. Yeah, and I mean, and, you, and strategy. And you spend but millions like, of dollars making those players, but like yeah. it doesn't work the same way because like no company is going to spend the because 
because they don't actually companies don't actually make money off of their employees being the absolute tip top best. Like, so that's why it's foolish for like Tony Dungy to come talk to Walmart. I'm like, well, no, but your greeters and stuff, you just don't, it doesn't work the same way. Like you're not going to hire like a strength and conditioning coach. So like, you know what I mean? It's just not, you don't have to be objectively the best. Yeah. Like you that's the way f- sports works. Yeah. You, you are, you are uh, tried over and over and over again and you have to prove that you are objectively the best. Cause like there's no, there's no like referee going back and forth between Walmart and target to see like, <laughs> and there's no like point system. You know what I mean? Like there's no like, like yeah. this is a game like the mil. I guess, I guess like, like the military it's, there's a winning side and a losing side. Nothing else is a zero sum game like that. Like that's, that's such a foolish, like, I don't know. Yeah, but for, you know, yeah. I've gone on too long about this, but for whatever reason, we like to treat coaches' leadership style like that is a uh it's not that it's not it's not that there aren't successful coaches in business or people who played I mean, I think that like playing sports uh or like being involved in sports, being a fan of sports, being whatever is uh it does teach a lot of life lessons about like Sometimes you lose certain parts of it translate certain parts of it. Absolutely translate. But like inviting coaches in to talk, talk to you about your organization, about business or about nonprofit stuff or about teamwork or about any of that stuff is so it's just so silly to me because it's like it's just not the same. Well, like like the, the the goals are so it's 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 the goals are different it's even, not even about the goals of like we want to score touchdowns and whatever there is no there's no equivalent to that yeah. in in real life well i mean i i i can understand the the line of thinking for like some corporation to bring in a coach you know for same reason you know it's like a it, it's it, the problem i think is what we're what we're trying to get to is the coaches internalize that yes. for something so more ba- than it, it is. Basically, like, yeah. What it what it turn what it, what the whole that long ramble is about is about coaches thinking or just our culture thinking. We should hear what this coach has to say. Yeah, and it's just like why 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 should we hear what they have to say? So that being said, Tommy Tuberville has the combined stupidity of like. A coach who believes that he actually has really good answers for a lot of problems, mm-hmm. and uh, just a guy who just has hasn't done a lot of deep thinking about the pro- those problems in general, uh, which is typical of like this particular type of Trumpy candidate for office. So, this past week, Tommy Tuberville was talking about. The you know recently expired RIP, uh, uh, six hundred dollar like federal stimulus bonus to unemployment services, and he said that that is way too much money, uh, and it's it that's what was causing people not to want to go back to work because they were making more money not working mm-hmm. than they were working, and I'm like, first of all. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because, like, even if you get – so, like, my job, like, I work a part-time job. Well, if you go back to a part-time job, you're not full-time still, so you're still eligible for benefits. Mm-hmm. One. Yeah. Two, um, 
if you want to have that argument, like, and, and, and even then, I just addressed him as if that's a legitimate thing to argue about with Tommy Tuberville. And the problem with that is, <laughs> it's not. If you want to address, like, if anybody else wants to address that, if, like, you know, Rand Paul predictably wants to address that, whatever. Like, we can have that actual argument. Whether or not he's doing it in good faith or bad faith is up to the, you know, up to whoever is judging it. And whatever your opinion is, mm-hmm. I'll tell you who's not doing it in good faith or in, in, and is too dumb to be aware. Tommy Tuberville, because Tommy Tuberville <laughs> as a football coach and a college football coach, uh, has been paid over $7 million to not do his job. Like that is a, that is a feature for those of you who are listening, who aren't big sports fans, um, a feature of a lot of these contracts popularized by one Mr. Thomas Hawley Tuberville in the early 2000s at Auburn are these insane exorbitant buyout clauses in their contracts. So if they get terminated uh, in their mind wrongfully, which is basically the only way to get terminated not wrongfully is like a scandal or something. Yeah. If you like let your players murder people and you knew about it. Yeah. Like you, you have to prove so many, they have all these ironclad things in there of like, it's very hard for whatever reason, you know, usually big, the big business or corporation or whatever has all of the leverage over its employee, except, yep, <laughs> except for whatever reason, because in college football, because in football, if you get fired, if you're a coach and you get fired, 99% of the time you got fired because you're not very good at your job yep. and the school was was just done with losing and they wanted to do something to appease their fan base and they thought maybe if we hire a different coach we can you know uh, instill a little more confidence in our fan base and yep. and the school is the school looks at you and says like there, that's got to be it's not just like I heard somebody like defending that it's like well he signed that contract in good faith and then they decided to break it I'm like no but you need to understand what that means but someone looked at you and said, it would be better if we paid him $5.1 million and yeah. he wasn't here. We would do better. Yeah. Like it would we would be more profitable. It would for be us more to profitable for us to be like, you know what? We don't want you here. And we're, and we realize that we need, we realize that means we have to pay you $5 million yeah. and we're, and we're okay cool with, with that. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and the thing to think about that, you know, like I've been doing a lot of like trying to think about other jobs in comparison, right? Like we've been talking about this with the police, uh, now I think it can apply to a college football coach. Mm-hmm. Think about that. If you worked at Target and you stocked the shelves and you just sucked at stocking the shelves, you just didn't mm-hmm. do it right, you showed up late, you know, you just you just regularly didn't do your job very well. Mm-hmm. And then Target was like, you know what? We got to fire you, but we're going to give you $10,000 to go home and never come back. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you heard about that, you would say, well, that's insane. Mm-hmm. What? People just get fired from their jobs when they suck at it all the time. Mm-hmm. And they don't get nothing. I mean, so I guess, like, if you get laid off, some, you know, big corporation stuff can do, like, severance packages and things. But that's not typically for just sucking at your job. Yeah, and usually you earn that over time. It's yeah. like you get a severance package based on how, how long. It's like, oh, you were there, there for 20 years, yeah. so you get this amount of severance package. And places that have unions have better severance packages and stuff. And not every place has one, but... You know, we can, I think, arguably, yes, I think that everybody should get paid a severance if they are ever laid off or let go or whatever. I think that is 100% fair, like, because you got to give people at least a few months to figure out what to do. For sure. Because um, your bills don't stop when you get fired. <laughs> but, like, 
<laughs> but college football is the only play like coaching in college football and i'm sure that actually i don't know i don't think it's like this in the nfl as much i don't i would wonder what the i mean i know that they have guaranteed money i know that like players and stuff have guaranteed money so if they get cut you know certain certain contracts have guaranteed money uh, meaning, Ooh. but like that's usually because you either got hurt or you got cut or something like that yeah. because there was somebody better than you that they got on the team or what have you. Yeah, and that all and that's all that's all fine. To be clear, I don't mind. Like, yeah. hey, man, if you can if you can get someone to sign a contract saying if I suck at my job and you fire me and I get I get five million dollars, get that money, boo boo. I don't care. Yeah, that's fine. You just don't get to be the guy that says six hundred dollars to not do your job is too much money. <laughs> Yes, you just don't get to be that guy. It's also one of those things where it's like, also somebody, somebody did the math. So he got this is not the first time uh, in Auburn in two thousand eight is not the first time he got a buyout. Um, the second time he got a buyout was about two million dollars from Cincinnati in two thousand fourteen, and someone did the math that if he got weekly payments after they took taxes out on that two million dollars. So like seven million in total, right? Uh, no, 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 just the two million. Oh, just the two million, Cincinnati, because this makes it fun. From from 2014 to now, yes. Okay, uh, about six hundred a week. <laughs> <laughs> You're lying, dude. No, because it's like six fifty something a week. Because it's like, well, f- because of course it is. Uh huh. Because it couldn't not <laughs> some be some karmic retribution. Because <laughs> or because, some some karmic poetry. Yeah, because because of course it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> because yes. So it's like, man, just from one school, like that's beyond what you got paid by Auburn. If you somehow, if you got all that money and they had to pay you in a weekly stipend for the past six years, be about 600 a week. It's like, wow, that's just, it's beautiful. (laughs) It's absolutely beautiful. You really can't make that up. No, you can't. You just, just, I mean, you could, but you would, it would just seem like you were just trying to prove a point. Oh man, that's like, yeah, it would just seem like. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, uh huh. Yeah, is it? Is it now? Um, that's just that's <sighs> just true. Apparently, I haven't done the math to check that, but it sounds real. If for any reason we still have any Auburn fans who are still listening to the show, you should stop. Yeah, just on that alone. Just oh my god, it's. I mean, okay, it's okay. We 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 forgive you, and we're and you can keep listening if you want. I it's mean, okay. I don't care. Um. So, from that stupidity on to even more stupidity, way sadder stupidity, not as funny. It would be funny if it wasn't tragic. Um. It is this. So the Beirut explosion, um, which I'm I'm sure I don't need to explain to anybody. I I, I would assume that if you have this podcast and you and you know how to access this access this podcast and listen to it i would assume you know about the beirut explosion yeah uh over you know two thousand tons of uh i don't know if it's metric tons i don't really care that i've seen that's that's been the dumbest argument i've seen speaking of like dumb stuff the dumbest thing post this is like people being like it's actually metric tons um and i'm just like dude i don't really think that that matters i mean i know that it's like 10 percent more or whatever but I mean, when it blows up a city, it just really doesn't matter. Yeah, like I'm like I don't, and other people being like, well, at least you know it sat there, so it degraded over time. I'm just like, okay, again, like we're talking about a giant explosion that killed over 135 people, 
like we we won't know the final toll for weeks. It's yeah. just it doesn't really matter yeah. how much it was. It, yeah. it was it, a it was big enough. explosion. It was enough. That's not the stupid part about it. The stupid part is not people arguing. That is a stupid part about it, but that's mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. stupid part about it. So this was the this was like the worst case pot like scenario. This is like Chernobyl level uh except for that's even more constrained uh to like like it, it's more easy to point out what went, went wrong in chernobyl this is like a uh you know to borrow a chernobyl like you know to borrow the 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 country of of chernobyl of well no i guess that's in ukraine mm-hmm. but at the time ussr this is a russian nesting doll of uh incompetence and stupidity so uh, and I, the reason why I say it's a Russian nesting doll of uh, incompetence and stupidity is because, yeah, it involves a Russian. God, it's just, mm. So uh, let me pull this article up that I was referencing earlier. And basically what happened, you know, you know why it's there, right? Why the stuff was there. It was, did it show up on like some shipping, like on some ship? It showed up on a ship. And they didn't like know why, or someone didn't come to claim it, or something like that. We're we're gonna get there. Okay. Uh, so, I guess my short answer is no, not really. It showed up on a ship. Okay. Uh, I'm pulling it up. Here we go. New York Times: Blame for Beirut explosion begins with a leaky, troubled ship. Uh, so this started six years ago, uh, when an indebted vessel, an indebted vessel and its volatile cargo pulled into port and ended on Tuesday in a giant explosion. So essentially there was this cargo ship, uh, that was flying under the Moldovan flag rented by a Russian businessman who lived in Cyprus, home of Halloumi. Hmm. Way to go! Way to go, Cyprus for that. Apparently, they could hear the explosion in uh, in Cyprus. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of the Russian businessman, uh, Igor Grushushkin. Grushushkin, mm-hmm. Russian businessman living in Cyprus. Um, Checks so out. the, the ship was called the Rosas, which flew the flag of Moldova, arrived in Beirut in November of 2013. Two months after it left the Black Sea port of Batumi in Georgia, uh, they were selling all of this ammonium nitrate to a company that fabricates uh, commercial explosives in Mozambique. So the ship was supposed to go to Mozambique mm-hmm. uh, to a company that fabricates explosives, probably for mining, you know, mining or something. and yeah. quarry. What you know, it's ammonium nitrate is used in uh, as fertilizer, but also used to make explosives like commercial grade uh you know because Definitely. it is it is less volatile than uh than uh tnt uh what's the uh nitroglycerin nitroglycerin there we go because uh, that stuff can just like explode on yeah you own. can just like drop it and it blows up um but so it, it's 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 a more popular you know for for the reasons of safety more popular uh explosive in the commercial explosive mm-hmm. world mm-hmm um basically the ship so this guy hires this ship 
and I guess buys all this stuff to take it to Mozambique. Um, the 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 Rosas the 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 ship was cap like basically the this captain who they reached out for this article was hired to take it on because the previous crew had mutinied. Well, uh, because they weren't getting paid. Okay, that so this is going to be a trend. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so he shows up. They don't have enough money to go through the Suez Canal. They don't have enough money to pay to go through the Suez Canal. Is that like a tax thing or yeah, just like, like a tariff? Yeah. You know, yeah. like you know, like a toll booth, yeah. but for boats, but for giant boats. Got it. Makes so, sense. in order to make a make a little bit of extra money, oh, our boy Igor said, well, "We'll pick up some construction machinery in Beirut mm-hmm. to uh, put onto the onto the ship." And then we'll we'll take the money that we make from that, and we use that to pay the 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 thing. And yeah. so the captain who he hired was like, "Okay, we'll do that." They show up. The construction co- equipment can't fit on the ship. The ship is also ha- also has a hole in it, uh-huh. and it constantly needs to be pumped out. Water needs to be pumped out of it. Sure. Yeah. So it's just a slowly sinking ship, full of explosives. Full of explosives <laughs> that they can't fit machinery on that mm-hmm. they need to pay. Yep, yep, yep. Then. They get into trouble because not only do they go there and they can't fit the machinery on, so they can't get paid for that. Now the the uh, Lebanese authorities have impounded the ship and and are refusing to let it go because they can't pay to they can't pay like the docking fees yeah. and and the permit fees mm-hmm. like they didn't get it they didn't get the right permit and they didn't get a do- like a docking fee or whatever or like a pilot's fee for like the harbor. Basically, like, the ship is stuck in Beirut because they set off on this thing that they just clearly hadn't, didn't have any money to do. Like, yeah. this guy hired this ship and then, like, I guess was just going to figure it out on the way. Like, while, but he's not even on the boat. Yeah. So, uh, a bunch of the crew ends up, le- they let a bunch of the crew leave, but they don't let, like, three crew members and the captain leave. They're just stuck on this boat for months. And they can't, because of the immigration policies in Lebanon, they can't leave the boat. Mm. And they also can't leave the port. So, like, we're talking about a Tom Hanks in the terminal type situation, yep. but on a ship full of explosives. And the mm. captain's like, hey, we're on a ship full of explosives. Um, can we get off? And he even, like, tried to reach out to the uh, Russian embassy in Beirut, and they were like, what do you want? What do you want Putin to do? Send, like, the special forces to come get you out of there? It's like, haha, like, like... They were just being ridiculous towards him, and he was probably like, "Yeah, man, I guess. Like, Something, I don't know. We're I don't on a ship on full of explosives. Like, yeah, this is not super and I cool. Can't leave. So he had to like, in order to buy food, he had to sell some of the fuel from the ship in order to pay for food for he and his crewmates. Oh, dude, that were stuck on there. Absolute wildness. Uh, so let's see, Boris Prokop. Pro- Boris Prokoshev, he's a 70-year-old retired captain. He's the captain of the uh of the uh of the ship. He lives in Sochi, you know. Uh which yeah, is I like mean, a, I'm here to say if I if I was had to be stuck on a ship full of explosives for yeah, some amount of time, retired. I would retire real hard. Um so basically uh he so they they are stuck there. They eventually get out. Um uh, like uh, the Lebanese government is like, "Okay, we'll we'll let him out." 
And then they decide, okay, well, we have to unload all this stuff, so we're just going to put it in this place uh, called, it's a hangar and it has a number. Let me see where it is. Sorry, this is, uh, this is a great radio. Absolutely great radio. Uh, 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 uh. See, this is just Yeah, me. okay, this is what's wild. So he hires the, like, the, what's crazy is that this Russian businessman who lives in Cyprus and called the, called the captain to tell them he didn't have enough money to pay for passage through the Suez Canal. Like, this is after he's already hired them. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're sailing this ship, this gigantic ship. Um, and so that he directed it to go to Beirut to earn some cash by taking on an additional cargo of heavy, heavy machinery, uh, and the machinery wouldn't, the machinery wouldn't fit on the ship. The ship was like 30 or 40 years old, apparently. Mm. Uh, yeah. Pay for the port docking fees and other charges. Um, when the ship's suppliers tried to contact Mr. Grachushkin for payment for fuel, food, and other essentials, he could not be reached, having apparently abandoned the ship he had leased. So this guy was just, just like, like oh, well, I'm bouncing. I'm bouncing. It, it didn't work. Like, this was like a grift. Yeah. He, he bought all this. He basically was like, I'm going to buy all this stuff. Going to debt, buying the material. Yes. And then I'm going to sell the material and make tons and tons yeah. of money. And I'm, Dude, everyone's going to work plan. Full Foolproof plan. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows somebody who has done this. Yep. This is what I'm talking about. Like, this is a, a catastrophe that was caused by a bunch of people who are like, dude, I'm getting around to it. Yeah. I'm going to get around to it. So, like, this guy has this get-rich-quick scheme, or maybe he has tons of money and just decided I'm not going to do it. But that doesn't really – it checks out more to me that he do, that he like, this is a scheme. This yeah, is like, it, felt, it feels like a gamble. Like, he, all of his money is all tied up in all this other stuff, and he had a little bit of scratch, and he was like – Oh, dude, he heard about it from a buddy. Like, mm-hmm. I can buy all this ammonium nitrate in yep. Georgia, and I can send this thing to Mozambique where they're buying this stuff, and I'm going to make so much money. Yep. And then, you know, when when it came mm-hmm. time to, to settle up. Like, he probably he didn't. Like, maybe he just, like, straight up didn't know how any of it worked. Like, he was like, oh, wait, you got to pay to go through? Oh, I, I spent all my money. Uh-huh. I ain't yeah. got that. Uh-uh. What do you mean pay? Uh, so, yeah, the... Uh, let's see. Dude, just drive. The, just drive the boat over there. Come on. Wait a second. Hold on. Let me figure. Okay, the Rosas, which flew the flag of Moldova, arrived in Beirut in November of 2013. Okay, so remember that they arrived in November of 2013. Mm-hmm. Captain's on the boat. Yep. Et cetera. Et cetera. Et cetera. Et cetera. Uh, increasingly desperate. Mr. Prokashev, the captain, sold some of the ship's fuel and used the proceeds to hire a legal team. That's what it was, not food, because uh, they were stuck on there. Yeah. Uh, he applied, appealed to the Russian embassy, etc. These lawyers also warned the Lebanese authorities the ship was in danger of sinking or blowing up at any moment, according to the law firm's statement. Uh, that's, like a, that's like a varied thing. Like It's in danger of either sinking, which won't be exploding. that bad, or exploding, which will be very bad. Increasingly, uh, oh, yeah, increasingly. Oh no, no, I already read that part. So he sold the fuel to pay for a legal team mm-hmm. to talk to the Lebanese authorities to be like, mm-hmm. "Hey, man, you need to, you need, a need to let us off of here, and B, you we got to ship out of office. here. Like, you're not getting your money. Yeah, like it, that's not their responsibility. The guy who owns this thing just peaced out. He's not calling. He's not answering anybody's phone calls. Also, the guy that owned it, uh, or the guy that leased the ship, excuse me, uh, of course, declined to be could not be reached for this story. 
unsurprisingly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, a Lebanese judge ordered the release of the crew on compassionate grounds in August of 2014. Yo. They spent almost, almost a, a year, year on this boat in a harbor not not almost a year sailing around the world like magellan style almost a year just in their cabin just like on Chilling. a on a super tanker in a harbor looking at land but not being able to go to it dude like brutal brutal so yeah just kind of like the worst version of tom hanks's the terminal yeah uh <laughs> of course the next mr grishukin could not be reached for comment on wednesday of course mm-hmm. i don't think that I don't think he's going to be. I think he's probably changed his name and moved to Patmos or a different island in the in the Caribbean. Um, so t- this is this goes on to talk about ammonium nitrate. It's obviously the thing that was used in the Oklahoma City bombing, et cetera. All you know, like mo- most of these details are known. I mean, like all of this is known, but like, I don't really understand how. So the Basically, you know, this all gets moved into a hangar, hangar 12, which is next to the grain silo and a firework storage facility, which is like what? Um, and a bunch of different like authorities, like Port Authority people and different people inside the Lebanese government keep sending different organizations emails like, hey, or like memos and stuff like, hey, we have all this dangerous explosive material. We need to get this out of here. We got to do this somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it is a uh, it's just such a strange thing so the the captain at the end this is this was the guy that i feel like provided so much of the gold of this of this article is uh this russian captain who was uh you know the <laughs> mutiny replacer uh and uh stuck on a boat <laughs> for a year in a harbor because Nobody could, nobody, everybody was getting around to doing something. Um, he <laughs> closes this out at the end. Uh, Mr. Prokshev, who said he is still owed $60,000 in wages, placed the fault with uh, Mr. Grachuskin, the guy who, who leased the boat, and with Lebanese officials who insisted on first impounding the boat and then on keeping the ammonium nitrate in the port. And then this is in quotes. Instead of spreading it on their fields, they could have had very good crops instead of a huge explosion. And he said, "Oh, so I mean, he's not wrong." Yeah. As for the Rosas, Mr. Prokashov learned from friends who sailed to Beirut that it had sunk in the harbor in 2015 or 2016 <laughs> after taking water on board. His only surprise on hearing this, he added, was that it had not gone down sooner. Uh huh. Well, I mean, at that point, if you have a super tanker, like, why not just fix it? And keep it. It was like forty years old. Oh, but I mean, it's still just made out of metal. You can't just fix it. I mean, you could, but like, it's a free boat. Is it going to cost more money to fix it? Well, I mean, I guess that's how boats do, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's Anyways. just a hole in the water you throw money into. That's right. Like this is kind of the this is this is what I mean by and also they were getting around to fixing it. Before that's right. I sank. That's right. That's right. They were working on it. It's just like, and that was so that's six years ago. Mm-hmm. That they've just been holding on to this ammonium nitrate next to a firework. Technically, it's facility. been there for seven years because it, the boat sure. arrived in 2013. 2013. Yeah, it's been in the storage facility since 2014. Yeah, that just. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just don't. So we were talking about this a little earlier. There's like 
this is you know I've, obviously we've seen a lot of people posting about this on on the instagram and the twitters and all that stuff and you know and that's cool um this is the shit that's like the scariest thing because like this can just happen anywhere because yeah. this isn't like when you're like oh man like this is this is just uh, like it's not like an example of like an overly corrupt government like how many people do you know like th- this is like my granddad being in charge of something and i mean that in a nice way like how many of you know you have people in your family that like they really need to do something you just you just or how many of you are this person everybody has a little bit of this where you're just like oh man i need to get to this thing i'll fix this eventually like I've, I've been, got a I've got a wall sconce that I've been thinking about hanging up on the wall for a long time, and it's still in the box. Mm-hmm. Think I've about been, that. I've been meaning to just organize my loft for like six months. Mm-hmm. Haven't so done it. This is why, like, this, this type of thing, it's not funny. It's just hard. It's just like it's. I don't like this type of thing could happen anywhere. Like I was yeah. hearing about. Um, you know, the things that are like, th- there is this like, uh, giant amount of nuclear waste that is in this underground. I think it's all being stored underground in it's somewhere. I think we tested stuff there at some point in time in the forties, fifties or sixties in the Pacific Northwest. And like, if we don't spend, some amount of billions of dollars to contain it it's eventually going to leak into the drinking water of the entire pacific northwest and render it unlivable yeah and that could just happen because we just saw that happen this week well because i mean it it, it just is currently happening like they haven't taken the steps to fix it they know it's a possibility and it's just kind of like yeah i mean we're you know we're getting there yeah and it's like we've seen what that looks like in a giant flashpoint like this should be a wake-up call to like every single government that manages because like all that's under the department of energy which we placed underneath the control of fucking rick perry who said he wanted to get rid of the department of energy before he realized that the department of energy handles where (laughs) like tracks where every single nuclear weapon is in the world Mm -hmm. and handles like what do we do with all of like the radioactive waste it's well, like those are important things to do man it, it it sheds a whole new light on like the you know the th- things that people always want to kind of throw around about the government you know oh it's you know good enough for government work you know it's like they're just incompetent oh they can't get anything done over there but you know all the kind of cliched arguments we always talk about you know not even arguments but comments people make about the government being inefficient and whatever and it's like you know those things have real effects on people's lives all the time. Like, you know, a lot of millions of people in America are seeing that with like the lack of planning for a contingency plan on, you know, coronavirus and unemployment and all these things. Uh, but like this one is just a real, like, but those things are, are complex. There's a lot of moving parts. This one is just like a very simple, like, but it's, a, it's microcosm. also like, it's an, ex- ex- it's an explanation of like, okay, well then what is the better? Cause like we need somebody to do this because yeah. this is like doing that is not, there's no private company that's going to come in and fix all of that because it's not profitable because no government's going to pay for like serve pro or some other, you know, like yeah. disaster management service to come in and remove a bunch of ammonium nitrate because that's going to cost millions of dollars to, to get a private company or billions of dollars to get yeah. a private company to do it. Well, and that's so it's like somebody has like the answer isn't well then nobody like it it basically 
like most of the time when you say what's frustrating about that argument is like, this is a perfect example of like, yeah, uh, you know, incompetent bureaucracy is certainly one of the things that is at fault here. But what we need is competent bureaucracy, not no bureaucracy, well, because then it will ne- it will literally never get done, and we and we won't know about well, it. That's so. That's my point, though. Is like it's it's so just kind of embedded in the culture for us to be like, well, you know, governments are just they're just not very uh, efficient. So we just don't expect that exactly. Yeah. And like that's the problem. It's because like, th- something like you know this tragedy in Beirut. It just is that it has to be the government's job. It has to mm-hmm. because that is the government's job is to like govern and keep safe the people of its of you know its constituencies or or whatever. And like if the government isn't can't be bothered to deal with however many metric tons of explosives that's sitting next to a firework storage facility, then like then what do they do? Then like what's the point? You know mm-hmm. like all of the things that like we complain about in America and a lot of them being big, important, you know, civil rights things and, you know, making sure that people aren't homeless and, you know, getting fed and, you know, making sure that, you know, all the, all the things we talk about in the news all the time, um, equality and, and all those things, those things are, are very important. Um, but we do, we do so much fussing about other stuff too, that like, if at the end of the day, the baseline isn't that the government should be managing and well aware of the consequences of not managing something like that or like or, you know, for us here in the States, like this nuclear waste issue, like if they're not doing that, then what are they doing like that? That just needs to be baseline. Like that's just the thing. They those those types of things are the things that they should be doing top of the checklist every single day uh or like are are we doing everything we can to prevent mass cataclysm uh or catastrophe or whatever and like i mean i guess i guess just a lot of governments of the world just aren't Mm -hmm. i mean i I don't really know what else to say about that like you know and and that's not to like you know i don't think either of us are uh you know we're not like trivializing that by any means it just feels like you know, it just feels like such an easily avoidable catastrophe for all the people who've died, all the billions of dollars worth of damage to the city, you know, the, the, all of the people who are going to have health complications because of the explosion, all of that stuff, like is Not just to so the easily that, avoidable. Like, the biggest one that I've seen or the biggest thing that like people are talking about it now, but like wasn't talking about as weren't talking about as much at right at the beginning was, uh, because we didn't know uh that's the grain silo for mm-hmm. oh, Lebanon yeah. was next to that and it exploded and that's where 80 percent of the wheat yeah for, like that's where 80 percent of like the wheat stores in Lebanon are which is like so, so there's going to be a massive food food shortage now mm-hmm. and also it destroyed the port which is and they import 80 percent of their food that sorry that was the 80 percent the the entire national <laughs> reserve of wheat storage was right there, mm-hmm. and that's the the only port, the only major port in the country where they import all of their food and yeah. goods, and they import eighty percent of their food. Mm-hmm. So it's like, jeez, uh, I don't really know. Like the fallout from that is going to be a problem. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like 
and, I, and it, from what I understand about Beirut, I think they do take in a lot of refugees already from the area and being where they are. There's a lot of refugees needing a place to be. And now those pe- those people are going to have nowhere to go. The people of Beirut are now going to have to, I mean, I assume enough of them are going to be refugees. Like they're going to need to go somewhere safe where they can get food and water and not live in a blown up house. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it sucks because it's so easy. It feels so easily avoidable. Yeah. Like if this there's a tsunami, like a, okay. Yeah, I was like, going to say, this isn't like a natural disaster. Yeah. Like this isn't like a volcano. It's like a volcano in that there was a giant explosion, but it's not like a volcano in a, oh, well, this just stuff just happens. Like, no, this stuff only happens if, like... You just let it happen. You just let it happen. Mm -hmm. Like, if, like, we live in a world where some random Russian businessman can lease a ship full of explosive materials before we vet to see if, hey, can this dude actually get this to where it goes? Like... That should definitely be a well. Uh, then can just a vet, a, like an international uh, policy where we figure out like, hey, this guy's going to trying to transport really dangerous stuff. Let's make sure that he can do that. But there, and also, let's make sure he has a ship that's not actively sinking. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, what a mess. Like this is like. Uh, I mean, it's it's like Joe Exotic owning, get, being able, like, people like that being allowed to own tigers. It's mm-hmm. like, no man, like, I don't know, like you could easily just have a rusty tiger cage. You look like the type of person who could just let a tiger cage rust, and then now there's tigers everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even own a tiger. I think the dude owned like two hundred or something, like one hundred and seventy-five well, tigers. Yeah, or what, I tons it was of like them. Five thousand tigers. Or oh, something. it was like maybe a lot, a lot of them. Enough Maybe that, I'm thinking of that's how many are in Oklahoma. Yeah. No, I, th- I think he had like hundreds. Yeah. I think. Uh, either way, too many. Enough to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, you know, I don't think anybody private, like that's even a thing. Like I don't think anybody privately should be able to have tigers, uh, or at least not that many, mm. and definitely not that guy. Yeah. So that's one of those things where, I don't know, man. There's just got to be some some better oversight in the world about where we about w- to whom and to where we allow these things to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of those things do exist. Uh like but if there's well, no Well, the problem is he was taking it from I think the whole point was this guy was clearly like it it's highly regulated in like Europe and sure. in, in like the EU and in America. Yeah, going from I think Georgia there was to a Mozambique reason, is yeah, probably. I think there was a reason it was going from Georgia mo- to Mozambique on a ship that was sinking, flying the Moldovan flag. Mm-hmm. Yep, that feels. I don't think, that I don't feels think, right. I don't think any of that is on accident. No, no. And and there's and I, and I definitely think that there's probably some reason why this Russian businessman doesn't live in Russia. Uh huh. All that feels all, all that all feels of this right. Feels normal, like uh-huh. I mean, or not normal. All of this feels like very explainable. It's yeah. like, oh, the guy who leased the boat didn't own the boat, leased the boat from whom, um, is a Russian citizen businessman who lives in Cyprus. Yeah. Who hired a new captain because the previous one got mutinied on because they weren't <laughs> getting paid. And then, like, what happened to that guy? Did he get thrown overboard? Like, is he on a desert? Is he marooned on an island? Did he walk the plank? Who knows? Did they throw him in the brig? Did he drown in the boat? Did they forget about him in there? Did he get on the ship? 
It's hard to say. It's hard to say. On that note. <laughs> oh, just what? It's just so, I just, like, when I read that article this morning, I just, my jaw kept dropping at, like, wow, just, this is, like, the most, like I was telling you, I mean, like, if it was, like, this wouldn't surprise me if this story involved, like, a guy from Louisiana, a guy from, like, Oklahoma, and it blew up, and, like, Corpus Christi, Texas blew up. You know what I mean? This is, like, yeah. that level of, like, well, what what had happened was I rented this boat, and then I put all this stuff on it, and I was going to get around to it. I just needed to run down to the casino in Biloxi real quick to make some more money so that I could pay to, to have it docked. But then I, I lost the money. And so the boat got stuck because I couldn't pay any of the things. And then, uh, and then man, I, I kind of lost track of it. What happened? Oh, everything blew up? Oh, oh shit, that's terrible. Man. Uh, are you sure? <laughs> well, it's not my fault, man. I was planning on fixing it. Dude, I was getting around to it. I was, I was, you know, I was working on it. And then the Lebanese government was getting around to it. And mm-hmm. everybody was getting around to doing something about it. Yeah. That's, that's what's important to know is everybody had intentions of getting around to it. Yeah. <sighs> That's right. Big sigh indeed. I mean, they were even talking about like, what I don't understand is they were like, they were either going to auction it off or they were just going to give it to the Lebanese military to make bombs or they were just going to give it or they were just going to sell it to like a, a Lebanese company that like made commercial grade explosives. They could have done any of those things. I mean, I, I assume there's probably... You know, it's like if your car gets impounded or something. Like, there's a, there's an amount of time you have to wait and before they can like auction it off or whatever. I think seven years is probably more than enough time. I, I would I would think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you would think that they like that's got to be a, a, that's usually like a few months. But that's got to be a lot of money. Like, surely and Beirut also, wants that. Yeah. By the time it had pre- like whatever amount of time that like claiming your property had probably run up by the time that they were even allowed to take the stuff off of the boat. Yeah, maybe that's true. I mean, what, it was or, almost a year. What's probably the most accurate is like if people are saying like, oh, it's like, you know, uh, the quality kind of had degraded over time of the ammonium nitrate. What I feel like is the most likely, because like most people aren't really willing to just like not take money. Uh, I think I could I could see a world where they were like, oh well, like it just wasn't nearly as valuable anymore. So like, we'll just store it somewhere. They can deal with it later. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just kind of feels like that they were just trying. They were like, we're gonna get around to it. Yeah, it could. I mean, who knows, man? I don't. I certainly do not. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Anyways, um, I don't even. I don't really know what to do with that. Uh, nothing we can. I, I don't. I don't guess. Nothing to be done. I don't. I don't know how to end this. <laughs> uh, um, all I know. I mean, I guess like it. Would it be weird if I played a song by the artist Beirut? <laughs> Probably. Maybe. Dude, I don't even know, man. You know. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Uh. Thanks for listening to the fire escape. We've been the fire escape. Um, you know, that's what we've been that we have been that. That's really all. all that's all I can say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can catch us, uh, fire escape pod at gmail.com for email. 
Um, you can find us on social media at Firescape Pod. You can find me on social media at Coulter Levi. You can find me on the Instagram, buttermilk underscore Pete. Um, if you have any dangerous things lying around that you need to get to, just get to them, man. This get, is like the, the biggest sign of like... Wake up, call. I need to clean my loft because God knows what's up there. We need to be... And make sure that all of your elected representatives or people in government are getting around to the things that need to be got around to. Mm -hmm. That's right. All right. Bye. Bye. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? I mean, the beer we got drank pretty good, don't it? The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com.